Hello, and welcome to the Story Wagon Podcast, where we talk about life, story, and spiritual health. I am your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and you can learn more about this podcast at our website, storywagon.org. You can also show us your support on our Patreon page so that we can continue to host this podcast and create resources that help our communities develop good spiritual health. Welcome. Hello, everybody. And um, this is our third episode, and I just want to welcome everybody to this episode. And today I have a special guest, a friend, a colleague, a person that I know who I can go to if I have stuff going on in my life that I can um, definitely... uh, go to and she would be able to help me out and anything that I need and her name is Reverend Amy Shoemaker and um, she's not a chaplain but she's a spiritual director so she's a chaplain among chaplains or a pastor among pastors so Amy welcome <laughs> thank you yes I'm Amy Shoemaker and I actually grew up here in Kansas City and then moved away for college and seminary and then started my um, ministry career out in the Bay Area So I was out there in seminary when I discovered that the calling I felt to ministry actually wasn't in a traditional church, and it wasn't going to look traditional in any sense of the the imagination. Uh Uh, And after my first year of seminary, I really got into some deep discernment about what that meant, and it's taken me several years to figure that out. Uh Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened when you decided spiritual direction? Well, how'd that look? Well, I kind of, uh, it came about more as a necessity than anything else. I had finished seminary and I was doing work in the arts, uh, doing ministry with artist communities and then doing the art, doing artwork with congregations. And at the same time, I had a full-time day job as a project manager for a web development company, which was really boring and soul-sucking. And so I had like this full-time job and these gigs kind of all over the place. And I needed something to bring in income that would use my expertise, Uh my spiritual expertise, and then also that would be flexible enough for me to keep doing all the gigs I was doing. Okay. And so it was at that point in 2010 that I, my boss at the web development company was kind of like, okay, we need you to like really commit to this or get out basically. (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? You think I haven't been committed? Okay, fine. And so I moved on and got a job as an admin, as an admin at a church Mm part-time and then started my spiritual direction practice part-time and then went full-time into spiritual direction in, um, at the beginning of 2016. Okay. And so when somebody's listening to this, they might think, well, what is spiritual direction? Yeah. So spiritual direction is basically spiritual companionship. And it's a person you go to on a regular basis to help guide you to walk with you in these really different of who am I and who is God and how can I stay spiritually healthy and all of that stuff. Um, in the Christian tradition, pastors were the primary people doing one-on-one, but as have gotten smaller and pastors are more and more on programming and development and all these other things, um, this really deep one-on-one attention has really 
declined for a lot of pastors. Mm. And so mm -hmm. spiritual direction is something that can um, sort of supplement a person's church experience, or it can also be instead of a church experience. So a lot of folks who um, have felt rejected by church or not comfortable in church still work with me because they they have a sense of spirituality, uh -huh. but they don't really feel called into a, a church community. I see, I see. And when you talk about spirituality, what is spirituality? What, how do you define spirituality? Uh, to me, spirituality is the awareness of something greater than myself. Okay. And that, that I, I can describe that as a higher, highest good. I can describe that as a deeper wisdom. Um, I can describe that as unconditional love. There are lots of different ways to define it. Um, I tend to I tend to stay away from the word God just because it's traditionally a masculine term. And uh, when I'm working with people who've had bad experiences in church, like that's a really hard word for them to identify with. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for them to feel comfortable having a relationship with God when you know, having a spiritual life is much more accessible. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that fits with my experience too. Like no matter how hard I try to redefine the word God, whenever I hear, whenever I say it or hear it, I think of a white, uh, of a guy in the sky with a white beard and. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the family guy portrayal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think of like, you know, um, this, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel with like Adam and oh, God, like yeah, touching, yeah, yeah. Tu you know, almost touching hands or whatever. It's like that's, it feels kind of ancient yeah, definitely. to me and not as present. Um, so f just for me, spirit and divine and those terms are a little bit more accessible and um, they just mean more to me. I, I have a, I have a felt sense of what spirit is. Okay more than I have a felt sense of who God is. I see, I see. And then um, when, we're, when you're looking at that definition and you're helping people find spiritual, spirituality and being healthy within mm -hmm. that dimension, um, what, we're, what we're trying to do here is promote wellness and mm -hmm. spiritual, uh, spiritual dimensions, one of the, the dimensions of, of wellness. So how do you help people find, uh, spir be, to be spiritually healthy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my approach is one that starts in the body. So Christian tradition is uh, the sort of thing, well, it's been promoted that your spirit and your body are separate and that you need to deny your body in order to elevate your spirit, mm. right? This dichotomy between flesh and spirit. Uh -huh. These are the <clears throat> works of the flesh. These are the fruits of the spirit and they're completely separate. Right. And what I teach and what I coach people in is the reality that we don't actually have experiences separate from our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so every bit of information we have about our experience has come through our physical, our physicality. Right. Um, and so when I'm talking about spiritual health, that's not exclusive of physical health. It's not exclusive of mental health. Uh -huh. It's um, spiritual health is inclusive of my whole being's health. And so I can't look at physical factors and say, oh, well, that has nothing to do with my spirituality uh -huh. because it has everything to do with my spirituality. Right. Um, all of my experiences filtered through my physical experience. Um, and so 
when it comes to helping people be healthy, what I invite people into is an attitude of radical self-acceptance so that no piece of information, there's no emotion, no sensation, no um, thought or feeling or perception that is wrong or bad. Um, Every bit of information we get is helpful. Mm. Anger can be really helpful. Fear can be really helpful. Stress can be really helpful. Um, So the first step in this radical self-acceptance is to become aware of what's going on in our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds, what's going on internally. Um, And then what are the parts of my experience that I'm resisting or rejecting? Okay. Because any piece of my experience that I'm resisting or rejecting, I'm not able to learn from. Okay. And there's a tension that comes with that hmm. internally. If, if um, like, let's say I have a friend who, like, we've been friends since kindergarten. And I'm totally just making this up. This isn't about a real person. Um, (laughs) You know, let's say there's this person that I've been friends with forever and I value the relationship so much because of everything we've been through together. And I've noticed over the last couple of years that after hanging out with this person, I feel really drained. Mm -hmm. Well, I love this person and I want to stay in relationship with them. So maybe I'll just ignore this drained feeling that I have after hanging out with them. Okay. Because it's inconvenient Uh and I don't want to feel that way in the first place and I value this person. So there's no way for me to reconcile feeling drained in their presence with this history that we have. Okay. Um, The alternative to that scenario, because what happens over time is that the more that we resist something, it just grows and grows and grows and the it requires more labor and more effort on our part to continue to ignore the thing. And so then we're just more and more tired and burned out um, in ourselves because we're not fully aware of or fully embracing our reality, our experience. Mm -hmm. So the alternative in that scenario is to notice that I'm feeling drained in the presence of this person And instead of rejecting that information or judging it as wrong or bad or I shouldn't feel that way and trying to change how I feel about it to say, oh, maybe this this time I'm going to feel more energized and then force myself to feel something that's not Mm -hmm. really genuine. Right. Uh, The alternative is to notice that I'm feeling drained and then accept that feeling as real and true. And it's from there that I can make a choice about it. Yes, it's absolutely true that I have this beautiful, wonderful history with this person and I love them unconditionally. And the last few times we've hung out, I've felt drained. Mm -hmm. I can have all of that experience and use all of that information to make choices in my own, in the best interest of my own health. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, I love this person. I want to stay in relationship with them. The last few times I felt really drained because I went over to their house and when I go over their, their house, there's no natural end to the visit. I have to end the visit and leave the space. And so I've ended up staying there four or five hours. Mm. We made lunch, we chit-chatted, we watched a movie, we made dinner, and then I went home because she lives far away and I want to make the most of the time. Right. Okay, well, yeah, that's kind of a long time to spend with someone, right? 
So there doesn't have to be anything wrong with her or wrong with me for me to feel drained. Mm-hmm. I just have to make different choices. I see. So I would love to meet up and hang out with you. Let's go to lunch at this place. If we go out to lunch, there's a natural amount of time that that takes, and I can make the most of that time in that hour that we have. And then if I'm really feeling good and I'm not drained, I'm checking in after that lunchtime increment. I can check in with my body and go, okay, I don't feel drained. Let's grab some ice cream or let's grab a cup of coffee or you know, I can proceed to the next step without having to, um, without ignoring what I'm feeling or rejecting what I'm feeling. And so over time, the more aware we are of our experiences and the more accepting we are of those experiences, the better choices we can make. I see. Yeah. And so that's on like an interpersonal relationship. Mm -hmm. And when people are trying to seek relationship with the divine, Mm -hmm. let's say the divine. Sure. (laughs) Could be God or something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet they're trying to find these communities and they're feeling drained. Mm -hmm. How, How do you help people through that process if they're trying to find a community to be in relationship with? to be in connection with the divine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really, that's always a tricky situation because you have, we have all, we all have experiences from our upbringing. And um, you can think of that as your family of origin, your religion of origin, your school of origin, like these experiences and these environments in which your spirituality was formed, spiritual formation, right? Mm It's in the midst of our earliest spiritual formation that our patterns are created and set. And where we run into trouble as adults is when we have a belief that we were brought up in that we don't really believe anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's still influencing our decisions and our choices in unconscious ways. So let's say I was raised in a tradition that Um, preached all the time that premarital sex was wrong Mm -hmm. or bad. And I've grown up, I'm an adult, and I've decided that, you know what? I love this person. We're in a committed relationship. We're probably getting married. That's enough of a commitment for me to become sexually active with this person. But every time I am sexually active with them, I feel this horrible guilt and shame afterwards. Mm -hmm. We have this beautiful exchange. We're loving each other with our whole bodies, our whole hearts. And then I feel terrible afterwards. That's a pretty clear indication that there is some sort of religious programming that is still active in my system, even though I don't really consciously believe it. So it's in that instance that I help, some, I help the person break down that pattern Mm -hmm. um, and then I help them make a different choice and create different coping mechanisms um, so that over time the guilt goes away and they're empowered in their sexuality. Mm -hmm. That's just one example. So then when it comes to helping someone find a community to belong to that supports who they are now, not it's you know we're not looking for a community that's going to be um, upholding or preaching the sort of oppressive beliefs of the person's upbringing, we're trying to find a community for them to belong to in present time Mm -hmm. with who they are now that's going to support their premarital relationships and Mm -hmm. all of those things. 
Um, so in that instance, it's, it's, a, it's um, kind of like dating <laughs> where uh, it's helpful to put a list of criteria together. Mm-hmm. Like this is what's not negotiable for me in, commu- in, in a community. We have to, you know, the people have to care about social justice. The people have to really love each other. There can't be any gossip. There um, has to be some sort of activity for me to do at least twice a week. Like, you know, whatever. And, and all of that is just an intuitive list, so to speak. Um, and then there's some research involved. And then there's the visiting of different places. And I often say that um, it takes three times to make a pattern. Mm-hmm. So anytime we're trying something new, we have to do it at least three times to see a pattern Mm -hmm. in that experience. And so folks who just go to a church one time and are like, no, I don't like it. Like, okay, yes, you may have such a strong reaction to it. They're like, no. Okay, fine. But (laughs) if you go to a church and you're there and you're maybe like 70% on board, like give it two more tries. Mm -hmm. Because maybe it was a guest preacher or maybe the band director was off that day or, you know, like, I feel like we're really quick to, like, judge things immediately and be like, no, that's not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. When really we need to try a few times to see if there's a pattern. I see. So I encourage whenever I'm working with someone who's creating a new spiritual practice, I'm like, okay, let's, okay, let's do this three times at least mm-hmm. to see if there's a pattern. Um a lot of people I work with are single and they're like, oh, I went on this date and I just don't know if we're going to get married. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you went on one date, like slow down, like give them three dates before you yeah. <laughs> start to make any decisions about anything. Planning, planning your wedding plans already. Right. And that, that concept is actually called incrementality. Okay. This idea that we do things, one, our bodies do things one step at a time. Mm-hmm. We walk one step at a time. We take one breath at a time. Um, and so when we're thinking about our spiritual lives, it can be helpful to identify the incrementality of it. So if I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, it may be because I'm looking at too big of a piece of something. I see. Or I may be looking at too long of a span of time. Or there may be five emotions that I'm feeling at once and I haven't named what each of them are. Mm. Um, maybe I'm, I went from doing no yoga at all to trying to do three yoga classes a week. Like that's a really big leap. And so when it comes to growth, we're focusing on one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to problems or processes, we're breaking things down into the smallest pieces. I see. Um, and a lot of the concepts that I draw from are part of what's called and it was created by Phil Porter and Cynthia Winton Henry uh, out in the Bay Area and they created a nonprofit organization around these body wisdom practices called interplay and so my spiritual direction practice is really deeply rooted in the eight body wisdom principles Um, and that's kind of where I start with every new person that I work with is by teaching them the eight body wisdom principles which are sort of eight tools that we can use to live into this radical self-acceptance and kind of break it down into some smaller steps and smaller pieces that are easier to embody. Okay, wow. And, and so when, 
when you're looking at that embodiment, you, you know, you're, you, you've told me before that there's our bodies carry a wisdom mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. uh, can you expand on that when, whenever you're talking to uh, the folks, the yeah. listeners? Yeah, so body wisdom is the idea that um, I have choices that I can make. And every choice is rooted in data that has been collected over time. So body data is the bits and pieces of information. Um, things I feel in a moment, sensory input, thoughts, etc. Um, so in any given moment, I can say, I can identify, you know, a bunch of different things that I'm feeling and sensing. And then over time, I can begin to notice the patterns in that, in that data, mm -hmm. which is called body knowledge. So for instance, let's say I go to the grocery store and every time I go to the grocery store, I'm freezing cold and it really makes grocery shopping an unpleasant experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I have choices I can make about that, right? I can bring a jacket or a sweater to the store with me so that my experience is not so unpleasant. I can ask someone else to go to the store for me, right? Like there are lots of different choices. Body wisdom lives in the choices that we make. Okay. And so when I am making a choice in full awareness of my experience, I am making a wise choice. And so to cultivate body wisdom, we have to be accessing and accepting all of our experience all the time. Mm. Not judging it, not criticizing it, not um, relegating it to the land of shame or blame or rejection, but really coming from sort of a neutral, mindful place about what we're experiencing so that when I make a choice, um, it's not there's not so much pressure on that choice. Like okay. My life doesn't depend on it. It's not always going to be this way. Mm. I have other options. Yeah. And I can make different choices. Right. All I need to create a different life for myself is to make different choices. Right. And, and let's say somebody's going through grief and they're, and they're breathing mm -hmm. a loss of mm -hmm. some sort. Mm -hmm. how, how does that play into to all that, all that body wisdom and, you know, and connecting the spiritual? Yeah, so... Um, we all have our own ways of feeling grief. Um, and so for someone who's never really lost anyone before, and this is their first real experience of grief, I am always encouraging them to be kind and gentle and patient with themselves because this is a new experience. Mm -hmm. Every single day is new. Every moment is new. Every sensation is new because it's the first time. We don't have... A lot of wisdom to draw from. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of experience to draw from in this instance because it's a new experience. And so that's where there are no shoulds, there are no rules about it. It's really about being open and saying yes to whatever feeling is coming and then making the most caring, compassionate response, mm -hmm. having the most caring and compassionate response to whatever that feeling is. Right. So that I'm not um, experiencing grief and then judging myself for not grieving right. Mm -hmm. Right. So when it comes to like the first time for grief, that's my sort of advice or um, encouragement. And then if it's someone who has, who is familiar with, with grief, um, then we kind of look at, okay, well, what is your grief practice? What is, the, what is your pattern around grief? Mm -hmm. What has that been before? And is that helpful? 
Are there pieces of your grieving that aren't helpful? Okay, let's make different choices in those particular aspects of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on the person's experience and their, the, their body of knowledge about a particular thing. Um, but the whole, the whole point is that um, our lives are like, how do I say this? People talk about, a lot about spiritual practices, right? right? And to me, our life is a spiritual practice. Mm. Anything our spirit is practicing is a spiritual practice, which is pretty much every second of every day, Mm. right? I have an anger practice. I have a love practice. I have a coffee practice. I have a a dance practice. I have a walking practice, right? Like, I am what I practice. And so this idea that we have spiritual practices that are somehow separate from our lives is sort of artificial or false to me. Mm. Because my life is a spiritual practice. And so I have a distinction between spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines. Mm. Or, sorry, spiritual practices and self-care practices. Self-care. So self-care practices are those things that I know for sure if I do them on a regular basis, I will feel better than I do if I don't do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's where I can build up a routine of self-care practices to support myself in the midst of my larger spiritual practice, which is my life. And so um, this idea that somehow our thoughts and our feelings um, don't translate into practice is also false to me. Okay. Because um, every emotion, everything that happens inside and outside of my body that I am engaged with is a practice. Wow. Yeah, you're like like maybe the only person I've ever heard say that. You know? Really? Yeah. As, <laughs> and and when you when you say that, are, I'm assuming since your whole life is your practice, and and as you go in through your ministry now as a pastor, pastor of Broadway Church, uh, mm-hmm. how does that come into play when you're when you're when you're leading the congregation, a congregation? Sure. I mean, I have a teaching practice. I have a song leading practice. I have a prayer you know, practice. I have a hospital visit practice, you know, and so that has really like, because my ministry practices changed so much, like as a spiritual director, I was primarily on the phone talking with people Uh one-on-one. Those people tended to be clergy, primarily female clergy Uh and um, folks who had grown up in religions that didn't support who they were. So I was working with a lot of um, like younger feminist women who didn't know how to be in relationship with the divine in a way that honored their femininity. Mm. Same thing with the queer community, working with LGBTQ folks who um, you know, had grown up in really uh, oppressive rela- uh, religions and didn't know how to reconcile their sexuality with their spirituality. Um, different things like that. Mm-hmm. And then there were folks who, again, didn't really care about church or religion, but wanted sort of a spiritual growth experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so going from focusing on these in- different individuals who don't know each other to leading a community of people, some of whom have known each other for more than 60 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still get to be as much myself 
in both of those environments and in both of those situations, um, in both of those lives. But it is very different to be, uh, the, the practices are very different. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, I'm always talking about the paradigm shift for, you know, chaplaincy, paradigm shift for mm -hmm. church. Um, it seems like this is something that we need to integrate more mm -hmm. into the paradigm. Mm -hmm. So we're running out of time now. Uh, I, we could probably talk about this even longer. Oh, I could longer. talk about this for days and days. Like I've led weekend long retreats about this. Stuff, yeah. So. so if people do want to connect with you then, yeah. um, how can they do that? Uh, well, they can come to Broadway Church. We have services at 1030 on Sunday mornings. At We're currently meeting at 620 East Armour Boulevard, which is inside Trinity United Methodist Church. But we're hopefully in the process of buying a building. Yeah, how exciting. You're, this is, you're learning that here for the first time. <laughs> um, we just signed contracts today, so hopefully everything will work out and we'll be in a new building in the west side neighborhood okay. of KCMO. Hopefully. Okay. Like, that's, you know, I'm really struggling with that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about, like, rejecting ourselves and holding back. I've been really, like, holding back on my excitement. Yeah and my like attachment to this property. And uh -huh. so I'm just waiting for the moment when I can just take a deep breath and go, okay, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So uh, broadwaychurchkc.org yes. uh, for information. Yes, broadwaychurchkc.org. And then I have a website, which is amydianeshoemaker.com. That's A-M-Y-D-I-A-N-E-S-H-O-E-M-A-K-E-R.com. And on there, I have a bunch of different videos and tutorials and stuff about everything we've been talking about. Uh -huh. um, I have one video series that takes you through these eight body wisdom principles and then smaller videos that go deeper into them. Um, but basically, it, it's a um, process through which you can become aware, you can come into acceptance, and then you can create change. Mm. Uh, for yourself personally. And it works on group bodies too. Okay. So there, there's a lot of group body work. Well, there you have it, folks. Like if you want to connect with Amy Shoemaker, amydianeshoemaker.com. And Amy, thank you so much for coming on here and speaking with us and talking and giving us your wisdom. It's yes. uh, very exciting. Okay. So finally, that is episode three. I want to say thank you to all who are listening and if you want more information about what we do at StoryWagon, you can go to storywagon.org. Find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just type in StoryWagon. And if you want to support us, support us at our Patreon page. Go to Patreon and type in StoryWagon. And also want to thank Sam Billen for our music. And, um, you know, just check out his website, primarycolormusic.com. And, uh, and the National Benevolence Association, who allows us to be what we are today, who's helped us in this. And you can visit them at nbacares.org. So until next time, this is Chaplain Jose Martinez wishing you good spiritual health.